Thank you. Let's just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. You are so great. There's no place I'd rather be than right here in your love, God. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands for a moment and give him all the praise and adoration. We love you, Jesus. We cannot be here without you. We cannot take one step forward without you, Lord. You are our strength, our our protection, our provision, Lord. We lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. We love you, Lord. You are our shield, our strong tower, our provider, our deliverer, our redeemer. We love you, Jesus. We love you, mighty God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And you know the feeling is mutual, Pastor. Brother Marshall and I feel a covenant with Turnpoint. We really do. Uh, my definition of covenant is an agreement. A relational agreement. A relationship that's very deep. We want to be part of this church. Just don't tell anybody at home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, it's wonderful to just be in Turnpoint. But Ohio State is so beautiful spring every season you've got seasons here louisiana there's one season hot it's 84 degrees for there today i'm glad i'm here <laughs> the lord bless you all good to be back you may be seated psalms 42 verses 1 through 8 i would like to talk to you about the presence of god it's good to be here with the live and goods as well brother todd and sister tiffany brother condon Wonderful to also see you again. Psalm 42, 1 through 8. I want to talk to you about what happens if our heart becomes dehydrated. You know, it is absolutely possible, because I've been there and I think many of you have. It is absolutely possible to desire and to thirst after God's presence all the while when you're feeling God's absence. And that's the story of the psalmist in this particular scripture. Psalms 42, 1 through 8. As the deer pants after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day why art thou cast down O my soul why art thou disquieted in me hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance O my God my soul is cast down within me therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. We've all read this, uh, this psalm and we've sung it as the deer panteth after the water. It's an old song. We've sung it. And when I read this, 
Every time I read this, and I've read it several times, I get this picture of a man who thinks about how it was in the past. He said, you know, there was a time when I had so much joy and, and something within me just motivated me to live for God. And I wasn't tired or exhausted all the time. I could wake up and go to church and, and worship Him. And, and I, would, I had motivation in me. What's happened? That's what he's asking. What's happened to my motivation? Why do I right now have to be coaxed to go to church? Why do I have to be begged four times to appear in a prayer meeting? I'm not, I'm not talking about anyone here particularly, except for myself maybe, but I have come to a place, I have experienced places in my life where I had lacked motivation. And then all of a sudden God reminds me of who he is, does a work, and then he, motivation comes back for about a week, or maybe two. And then I have to be begged, prodded, coaxed, and fall four phone calls and five text messages have to be sent to me in order for me to even turn up. Why are we exhausted, people? We are supposed to have the joy of the Lord is my strength and in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. We quote it, we worship it, we pray it, but then we are just tired. We work so hard. And then the disparity between what we do and the result that we see is so pitiful. Because we're trying to touch God and reach God with works and with the list of to-dos. I mean, we've got places to go, people to see, Christian activities to do. It's not going to get you motivated. If you do not have a relationship with God, your heart will remain dehydrated and you will not get to a place where that internal motivation is, 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 is bubbling and washing over you. Deep is calling unto the deep. The deep things of God is calling you right now saying, look, forget the work, forget the projects, forget the programs. Of course, we need all of that. We need to be able to win souls and feed the poor and clothe the naked and do everything that we need to do. We need to have that so that the city is reached. We need to do all of that. But I'm talking about us individual people where there's no joy, no peace. You're exhausted. You're tired. And people have to literally beg for you to, for us to worship, to pray. We should not have sermons on prayer. We need to just pray. We need to get to a place where we're not preached at to pray. We just need to pray because we want to pray, Brother Mark. We, we desire to pray. Where is that desire, God? Actually, that's about all I came to say. I will expound in a few minutes, but that is the gist of it. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you don't want me to expound, then I guess you got to go. <laughs> but that's what David is saying. David said, hey, you know, Lord, I... I remembered that I, I used to go with them to the house of God and, and with the voice of joy and praise. And I remembered that they were, I couldn't wait for song service or wait for just song service practice. And now dragging, I drag everything. When I walk, I just, I feel like I'm dragging, you know. Oh, it's practice, it's prayer. Or oh, it's Sunday. Can't wait for Sunday night when it's over. 
because it's so exhausting. Church is so exhausting. I'm not happy anymore in church. Oh, God. And that's what David says. You know, there was a time when with a voice of joy and praise, I leapt. Remember how he used to dance? uh, Not used to, but he danced in front of the ark when the ark came back from the enemy. And they said he took off most of his clothes except the ephod and he just danced. That's not the David. The David here in this particular scripture is not that David. If you study that, the background of that, that happened a while ago. He's saying, why are you, why are you depressed, David? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? The, the, the soul feeling cast down in today's psychology is depression. And why art thou disquieted? Disquiet means troubled. You're not calm and settled. You're always thinking, thinking, thinking. Your mind is running 500 miles an hour. Always thoughts. Everybody else is worshiping and you're just thinking. You can't get your mind to focus on God because there's just too much going on and you're tired. Am I just talking to me or, or is anybody else here? I know what you're saying. You can stop talking. <laughs> for I shall yet, I tell you what, so do I. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now what he says is, He's now encouraging himself. He's saying, okay, you're depressed. You're very down. You're talking about the past. You know what? I don't want to sit on my laurels. I know how it was when I first got saved. I know how it was when I used to leap and jump and have this stupid grin on my face. And people are like, what's the matter with you? Said, I got saved. I got the Holy Ghost. Isn't that wonderful? They're like, okay. You know, and so so I, I remember the time when uh, I didn't have to have a good day to feel good. And it could be a rotten day and I could still feel good. Now, it has to be a good day for me to feel good. What's up? Maybe you don't want to do it every six months, Pastor. <laughs> and then he, he encourages himself. He says, hey, so? Everybody say that. Say, hey, so? Yeah, sometimes it's called self-talk. That was not some psychological invention. David did it. Before all the psychologists talked about self-talk, David did it. Self-talk. He says, hey, so, hope in God. Yeah, I know you're having a rotten life and everything is going wrong and the business has failed and the marriage, I don't know where that's going. But you know what? Hope in God, he's saying. For I shall yet... No, this is all, the rug is being pulled out from under me. Everything is shattering to pieces. And I'm not sure whether I'm going to have enough strength to lift up one more hand and one more song in church. But you know what? I shall. I shall. I'm going to make myself praise him. I shall yet praise him. Because, because no matter what, I'm going to make a choice to do one thing that my body is telling me to do something else. My mind is, is giving up. My exhaustion level is here. But I'm going to say, look, Saul, you better praise God. Because he's going to fill you. You better get out of yourself. Come on, people. Hey, Saul. Hey, Saul. Hey, Saul. For I shall yet praise him. Hallelujah. L- listen what he says. Listen what he says. Oh my God, my soul is cast down. I, wait a minute. Wait a minute, David.
David, you sound schizophrenic. You just said, I will praise him, and then now you're going back to cast down. He says, yes, I will praise him. My soul is cast down. Therefore, will I remember what he did in the past. I'm not just going to remember that God is good and all of that when the day is good. But when the day is rotten, that's when I'm going to make myself remember what all the good things that God has done for me. I'm going to make myself remember that he is still God. He is still on the throne. He can turn it around in a flash. And then he, he says this, David says, deep, your deepness, your depth, oh God, that's real deep, calls unto the deep. It is tugging at my heart. And that's what I feel. I have felt that since I arrived at Turnpoint on Monday. I know I'm only seeing you all today, but I arrived on Monday and I've been here and I've been praying here. I've, I've spent some time in prayer here in the hotel, but I'll tell you this. Every time, this is what I'm feeling, especially this week when I've been here, that there are those of you, no matter how exhausted you are, God is tugging at your heart. And what you really want to do is shake off the shackles and go back to how it was. Now that's you. Lift up your hands. That you just want to shake it off. You want it to be how it was when you first had joy and peace. And that exhaustion was not following you like a ghost. Haunting you. Lying to you that it's over. This is how it's going to be. You are flatlined. Hallelujah, Jesus. The author of this psalm desires God's presence so desperately. But he admits, I don't feel it, Lord. I'm not feeling it. And that's step number one, by the way, for tonight. Admit. When you don't feel God, admit it. Tell him. You know what? I'm sitting here. I don't feel you. I know you're there. I know you exist. I don't feel you. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm almost brain dead. So I just, I need you to do all of the work right now. I'm just going to rest on your arms and forget everything else. Isn't it great that we can do that? We don't have to work to get his attention. We really don't. We think we do, but we don't. It is quite possible, as I said, to be thirsty for God, to seek God, and to serve God, and yet not sense the nearness of God, and instead to feel his absence, resulting in the troubled soul. But I want to say something else. There will be many, many times in your life you are not going to feel God. And I am pretty much had it with this desire to feel him. He is a fact, not a feeling. So when, when there are days, I'm going to have those days. I'm not going to. I've already had them. When I go through those days when I don't feel him, I'm not going to beat myself out or knock myself out and say, God's not here. I don't feel him. You know what? Feeling is so transient. Feelings and emotions are so undependable. Today you have a good day. Tomorrow you might be in a bad mood. Don't try to feel God. Know God. Know that he is there. Regardless of the fact of whether you feel him in your car driving down to your office or in your living 
living room or in your bedroom or in your den in the church or if you don't even feel him up here God is here in the midst of his church God is in your presence and all you've got to do is know that God is alive he is alive and well among you and you just reach for him he's saying God I don't feel you but I know you're here I know you're here Now you're acquainted, you're acquainted, all of us are acquainted with physical thirst, right? Especially in hot Louisiana. And apart from just a few parts of our body, you know, our bones or whatever, we are 80% water. And if we don't drink fluid, coherent thought will vanish. We won't be able to think straight. Our vital organs will wrinkle. All right, ladies, I'm not going to go there. We won't talk about wrinkles. Our skin grows clammy because you know why? My eyes need fluid. My eyes need water to cry, to be able to blink. My mouth needs moisture to swallow. My glands need sweat to keep my body cool. My cells need blood to carry them. My joints will need fluid to lubricate them. My body would need water just like your tires need air. Without water, I am not going anywhere. In fact, God wired you and wired me with thirst. He actually created thirst. I'm talking about physical thirst now. We'll go to the spiritual in a minute. Physical thirst. God actually made us with a low fluid indicator. You know what that is? In the car, when your car doesn't have enough fluid, you, that red light. My car, the dashboard has about five red lights all the time. It all goes off at one time. I'm thinking, I need to either give up the car or whatever. But um, when my fluid or your fluid level grows low, let me know what your low fluid indicator does. It slams doors and wants to tell people what you really think about them. That's what it does. Your low fluid indicator can repulse a lot of people in five seconds flat. You want to be nice, but there's no water. So you're instead of going for their shoulder, you're really going for their neck. Dry mouth, thick tongue, achy head, weak knees. Deprive your body of fluid and your body will tell you. But you deprive your soul of spiritual water, your soul will tell you. Dehydrated hearts, dehydrated hearts, hearts without water, without fluid, without the presence of God, will send desperate messages. And the messages will be snarling tempers, worry, fear, anxiety, guilt, condemnation, hopelessness, sleepless. Do you think God wants you to live with just being irritated all the time? I know people like that, actually. I'm not talking about even outside the church. No, sorry. I wish I was. I'm talking about right inside. You know, irritated most of the time. I mean, sit in their spot, park in their spot, stand in their spot. You know, why are you standing there? It's my spot. Brother Condon said that that's where I stand when I practice. Move. And then you move, and then they're like, no place I ran. And you're thinking, whoa, that, that, is, that is awesome. That, that was a quick change. <clears throat> yeah, real quick change.
change. It, it, it's a gifting to be able to snarl and smile within a second. It must be a talent or something. My husband says I don't have that talent, that if I'm in a bad mood, the whole world's going to know about it. He should know. Loneliness. Lonely, I've, I've actually talked. <laughs> I'm glad you find that funny. I'm telling you. It's the truth, right? Come on, ladies. Everybody's like, that's not me. I'm real nice. Um, you know, I, I, I've been talking, uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm a counselor. And in counseling, I'm talking about in the last, I don't know how many years, um, I have met people in my office that, that have said, you know, sis, I, I've been part of the church and I love the Lord, but man, I'm so lonely. And you know what? That That's not part of, and I'm going to say this, you may not agree, but that is not supposed to be part of the Christian walk. Solitude is something else. Solitude, God is present. Loneliness, God is absent. What are you doing being lonely? There's something wrong and it's not God. If you are lonely, you and you and you need to turn that into solitude. How? Bring God into your loneliness, and the loneliness will turn into solitude, where you don't need the company of twenty people to keep you alive. You don't need twenty people to keep you validated, to keep you accepted, to keep you feeling loved and affirmed. I'm lonely. Well, okay. I, I, in fact, there's one lady I was talking to two weeks ago, and said she said I, 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 I'm just so lonely. You know, the church is big, and and there's a lot of people. I said you have friends. I said yeah, I have friends, but I go home and I'm lonely. I said listen, you're a Christian. You have the Holy Ghost, right? She said yes. Okay. Well, you know what you need? You need God. You need a relationship with God that fills you all the time. Where you feel the manifest presence of God constantly. You're thinking, that's not possible. You're, yes, it is. I'm talking about constantly. In a bad situation, in a good situation, whatever situation, you're actually feeling God. And you know, and more than feeling, you know God is there. And immediately, your loneliness or the feelings of loneliness diminish. I'm not diminishing the importance of companionship. I think companionship in marriage or friendship, that's all important. Of course it's important. God made us for companions, to become companions and to have companions. But I'm talking about loneliness that's driving some people to depression. Loneliness that's causing you unable to sleep. Loneliness, worse, that's causing you to enter into relationships that are ungodly and temporal and temporary and dangerous because you're willing to push the boundaries just so that you won't be lonely and you set out. You set out on holiness and separation and all the good things that God is trying to drive home. But you're saying, no, I'm lonely, so I'm just going to go out there and find whoever. Resentments, irritability, insecurities, worries. These are, these are just warnings of a dehydrated heart. Symptoms of a dryness deep within. And maybe, maybe you've always thought like speed bumps. You know what speed bumps are? They're so annoying, man. Every time you want to go somewhere and there's a speed bump. And what's worse, there are three speed bumps back to back. The guy that made them just really had a time of it, you know? He said, I'm just going to annoy this neighborhood and put about five, one row. Um, and perhaps you always thought like speed bumps that worry or fear 
or um, sleeplessness is just part of life. You know, some people have blue eyes. I worry. Yeah. You know, some people think that. No, they actually do. There's one woman, uh, in fact, yeah, one woman and, and her husband in counseling, she told me. She told me, she said, you know, my husband worries all the time, but I've accepted it as normal. And he says, yeah, I know, you know, my, my father was a worrier, so I'm a worrier. And it's like, you know, hair color. You know, I've got brown hair and my husband worries. Wow. So you've settled with that. You're, you're going to accept it uh, as part of your genetic makeup worry. Am I right? And they said, well, I guess because I have not known a piece. I said, wow, you've not known the prince. You've not known Jesus. He says, no, 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 I know Jesus. No, sir, you don't. You know of him. There's a difference. You know about him, but you don't know him. You cannot know him and he leave you in a worried lump. You cannot know him and talk to him. And he says, okay, well, stay worried. What kind of a God is that? I don't serve that God, neither do you. And you thought that all of this is just a necessary part of life. I mean, maybe you think that anxiety runs in your genes like eye color. You know, some people have bad ankles. Others have high cholesterol, receding hairlines, and you fret. No. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to come against that. We are going to come against that tonight. We're going to take authority over that kind of lie that we've bought into. It's lies. And I'm tired of the church being crippled. The cause. The cause of Christ. Anybody know what the cause of Christ is? To seek and save the lost, right? That's what he said. And the cause of Christ has been crippled in this generation. Never mind trying to influence your family. We can hardly influence the person sitting next to us in a classroom. Forget about influencing changing your public school. Forget it. It ain't happening. Even the person next to us doesn't want to sit next to us. Why? Because we've not been with the one that can make us like him. So that everybody will follow me around. I want people to follow me around. You know, just knock on my door. Yeah, what do you want? I, uh, you know, I need prayer because I heard that, you know, I need to talk to you. Because my friend talked to you and they feel good after talking to you. Really? Come on in. In fact, in my house, it's got to a point I'm moving. I really am. No, I really am moving. But there are days when I'll get up and I'm, you know what? I've actually caught myself. I've caught myself. I said, Lord, I need to get this grocery list done in 25 minutes. Please let me not meet any Christians in Walmart. Hey, I, oh yeah, you haven't, right? You haven't really, oh Lord, let this go to a restaurant where I'm not going to, you know, because they're going to come and talk and I just want to relax and rest. And Come on. You haven't? Well, all right. I have. I have. I'm like, you know, I just don't want to talk to anybody right now. I don't want to talk. I don't want to be nice and reach out to that waitress who's, who's dying and going to hell. I just want to eat. I just want to eat and I want to finish my iced tea. And I want to go home. I just, I just want to be left alone, Lord, please. I mean, I've served you all day, and it's my time now. I'm tired, okay? Man, I'm so glad Jesus didn't say that when he saw me. Lord, I have saved 55 billion people. There's one more Indian girl, and I don't want to, I, I, I can't anymore. I'm tired, you know, Father, so she's on her own. 
You know why? Because he told the rest, you wait here while I go over there. I don't want y'all to follow me. I want to go over there. I want to get with the father because I'm talking about the son, the flesh. Okay, the flesh that housed the father had to go away yonder to pray, to receive strength, to be hydrated, to liquefy, to aquify the heart, to make the heart lubricated enough that when he came back to civilization, he could heal, he could minister, he could feed 5,000, he could, he could die on the cross happy. We just want to get in and get out of the store real quick before anybody else wants to talk to us about a Bible study. We're exhausted. We're human beings, and yes, our strength is limited. Please don't think I'm implying you better not ever get exhausted. That's not possible. You're a human being. I mean, everyone has emotions and or gloomy days because we're humans and are such emotions inevitable yes but are they unquenchable absolutely not we must view the pains of our heart not as struggles to endure but as inner thirst to slake so when you worry you run to the master and say hey i'm worried there's something it's dehydrated i'm drying up there's something inside that's shriveling. Now come on, pour into me, Lord. Deep calleth unto deep. Yet will I praise him. It takes discipline. It'll take a slice of your day to do that intentionally. You need to intentionally pursue God and have a prayer life. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it. Then you'll come into a, you will walk into a trap called, let's just put up with it. It's part of my life. I'm fine. Because come Sunday, I'm going to get, you know, my thirst will be slaked. And hopefully it'll last till Tuesday. No, it wouldn't. It depends on who you work with. If your boss is real nasty, it won't last till Monday afternoon. You must treat your soul as you treat your thirst. And you need to take tonight a long drink of cool water. Imbibe moisture. Flood your heart with a good swallow of Jesus H2O. Only then you can be spiritually transformed. And let me tell you this, spiritual transformation, I said this the last time I was here, isn't something that you can do on your own. And it's a hard pill for us to swallow because we are egotists. We have egos, we human beings. And we think, you know what, I'm clever, I'm smart enough, I am, uh, I am an executive where I work, a lot of people respect me where I work, I'm, I'm intelligent, I've got a lot of degrees, and so therefore, I'm able to transform myself just like uh, transforming my career. It's just like, you know, whatever I do in the world. No, you cannot. Spiritual transformation needs God's intervention. You cannot do it on your own. No matter how much you serve Him, serving Him will not transform you. Don't get me wrong. You need to serve Him. But if you want to serve Him with joy and you want to see some solid results, you want to be able to open your mouth and people are converted. You need to go to the source of the river. You You've got to go to the river. You've got to drink. You've got to imbibe the moisture. You have got to hydrate that which is dying in you tonight. And we hate to admit that we cannot do something. It is easy for us to try to take spiritual transformation into our own hands without even realizing what we're doing. We're compelled by our secular culture, really. It is secular culture that teaches you that, you know what? You can do it. 
The only thing I recommend you do is to lean on his everlasting arms and wake up earlier than when your day, your actual day begins. That means if your day begins in seven, it's worth it to wake up 30 to 40 minutes earlier just to spend time with the master so that when you get in your car and start the ignition, come what may, you have got that strength within you to deal with that day. You have got the spirit within you. You are not dry, angry, irritated, and waiting for a confrontation. You are loving, compassionate, merciful, and forgiving. So that your default reaction is one of faith and love and mercy, rather than let's confront and get rid of him. Oh yes, that's how it is. How many here, you really want, you be honest enough, or it's just me, you really want to be more merciful to those around you that you have decided don't even deserve a little bit of it. I really want to be a little bit more merciful to those that I really, in my bad day, want to do something else. I have Christian friends who are in full-time ministry right now. Some of them are uh, youth pastors. Some of them are assistant youth pastors, youth leaders. They are uh, on the platform, either frontline singers, musicians. Some of them are pastors. And they are exhausted. They love God with everything they've got. They love God. But they have not taken the time to be with God. They have taken more time to work their ministry. And they are knocking themselves out, really killing themselves, trying to do something. And they are getting frustrated because the results of what they're doing is pitiful so they go out in the streets every saturday or whatever they go out here and there and they try to knock on doors and teach 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 and out of teaching 200 bible studies two get baptized and that too we rejoice that's awesome i'm not diminishing the value of anything that you do for the lord but they are exhausted and then tempers start flaring and then they begin to start doing this horrible thing called blaming God or worse, questioning their calling, questioning whether they need to be doing that at all. No, it's not God's fault. It's not the fault of the community that doesn't want to listen to you. That is not because people don't want what you've got. You're trying to do it in the carnal flesh. If you try to get ahead in ministry in the carnal flesh, every door that you want open will be shut because God doesn't need a bunch of soldiers that are exhausted and your axe, if it is not sharp, you try to chop wood with an axe that is not sharp, that has lost its edge, you become a dangerous weapon in the enemy's hand. Because an axe that is not sharp, you try to log with it, it will bump off and hit your leg and cut your leg instead. Oh, many people have lost limbs because the axe is not sharp. You've lost your edge. I've been in a place where I lost my edge. And you know where I'm going to get my edge? So that it doesn't take a lot of energy to cut it down. It just takes skill. Skill and anointing and God's presence. and Because God is the one who seeks and saves that which is lost. He has given us the mandate to do the same. But if we are not one with God and we don't have the juice. And if we don't have Jesus' energy flowing through us. Then all what we're doing is trying to get by with our charisma. If we have it. But if we don't have even charisma, we're done. But I tell you what, all the charisma in this world is not going to get the kind of results where strongholds
shackles are broken and anointing that destroys bondages. I want to be able to walk into a Kroger or, or, or any kind of store and people, and, and if people are sick, whether it's a cashier or the nurse or the doctor or whoever, I want to be able to be bold and compassionate enough, first of all, to start a conversation, secondly, to minister, thirdly, to see results. I too can feed 5,000, but I need the power that pours through the veins of Jesus Christ. I need that same power that Jesus experienced from the Father. I too can heal the blind. I too can heal the lame and pull people out. I can do it. You can do it. But you cannot without the power of God moving through you. So you're thinking, how do I get this? Well, first of all, you've got to log off, come, come away from the 45-minute phone calls where people are draining your faith and draining everything you've got with complaining and murmuring. you got to just, bye. See you, I have an appointment. Actually, I say that these days, and I don't even feel like I'm lying because I do have an appointment. Prayer to me is an appointment. I have a meeting. Oh, really? At church? You could say that. With whom? Close friends? Are you counseling? No, I'm being counseled. Look, they'll pull on you. Family, friends, peer group, school, homework, test, examination, practice, even church work. It'll pull on you. You need to say, you know what? I'm going to manage my time. I'm not going to let my day take so much control over me that I'm giving pathetic excuses like, I don't have time to pray. What? That's, that's such an excuse. You don't have time. No, you don't want to make the time. You can make the time. You are a child of God. If you truly love him, and I believe that Wednesday night people, you really love him. Yeah, that's right. You're not the traditional Sunday morning. I'm talking about Wednesday night. You're here for Bible study. Could be anywhere else, but you're here. You really love him. So how about stretching it a little bit? Stretch that rubber band just a little bit. Maximize it just a little bit. And include the time which is most important one of all. And that is at his feet. In prayer. And, and, and getting his strength. Gaining his power. Please don't get caught up in the momentum of ministry that you have forsaken your own need, needed moments of intimacy with God. And I say needed with a capital N. It is vital. It is, it is life-giving. You need to stop just what you're doing. Let me do this. Can you lift up your hands right now? Whatever it is that is taking away or distracting you, whatever it is, I'm not talking about distracting you tonight. I'm talking about on a weekly basis, everyday basis, what is it that distracts you usually? Uh, I'm sure it's busy schedule, work schedule, maybe sleeping late. Maybe you sleep at 2 o'clock expecting to wake up at 6 to pray. You're not going to do it. You can't. You've got to sleep at 10 or 11 if you want to wake up early to do it. You lift up your hands right now, and I, and I want you to honestly assess your spiritual status with God right now. I want you to listen to your heart Listen to what God is bringing to you right now. Father, that you will speak to your beloved today. Speak to them today, Lord. 
Speak to them about taking time with you. Speak to them about how distracted and exhausted everyone, Lord, can get if they don't spend vital time with you, Lord. That ministry and service to you, even though it's important, it takes second or third place to intimacy with you, oh God. That speak to your children right now, Father. Come on, let's pray out loud. Let's just pray out loud right now. If you need to shut some doors, if you need to realign your priorities, if you need to take away some distracting things in your life, right now, why don't you release that to God? Why don't you release your whole day to God? Starting tomorrow, tomorrow morning, why don't you just ask God to help you, create time for you, that you will begin to make time to spend with the master. If you're not a morning person, then at night. If you're not a night person, then morning. to you. Young people, I know how hard it is when you've got school, homework, family, friends, and church ministry, and music, and the youth ministry. It is, it pulls on your time. It gets you all tired. All you want to do is go home and crash. But you can do this. You cannot continue like this without the power of God. You just cannot. You cannot. We need to honestly assess our status right now before God. Don't come out of this prayer time. I'm going to close soon. I just want you to keep continuing to just pray and, 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 and talk to God and, and while you hear me. I listed, I listed all of my spiritual activities on one hand, and then I, I listed the time I spend with God. I'm talking about spiritual activities, people. I'm not talking about necessarily sports or on the treadmill. I'm talking about spiritual activities. All the ministries that I'm involved in, especially including travel engagements where I travel around the country to speak, I listed all of that. And then I listed the amount of time I spend with God. My word, it was like this. And then the Lord said, no wonder you're exhausted because you are, you're doing so much of that and you're thinking this is going to replace this. Just because you're involved in something spiritual doesn't mean that you're getting strengthened by it. You only get strengthened by Jesus himself. He is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And where do you find the joy? In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So there, it's a chain link. In the presence is joy. The joy is your strength. So without presence, there's no strength. It's not involvement up in choir that's going to strengthen you. No, I'm sorry. And you need to be involved. You need to be as involved as you can get. But your, our priorities are just not there. And if you're out of balance, it is not the responsibility of the church or your mentors, or even your leadership to get you. In the end, it will be your responsibility to choose to spend time with God because nobody can police that. What do you want them to do? Put a camera in your room? No. Nobody can police that. 
In the end, it depends on you making yourself do it. Don't say, well, I know, but I need the desire to do it. And God has not given me the desire. You know what? You're putting this on God back? Wow. You know, don't, don't, don't wait for the desire. Be like David. Yet I will praise him. I am exhausted. I am depressed. I am worried. But I will do this until I am baptized with the desire. I'm going to push myself until I become desirous. Until I feel desire, I'm going to do it. I'm not honoring God with an activity-based Christian life. We think that activity-based Christian life really honors God. No, what honors God is if I sit at his feet and says, I'm done. I'm tired and exhausted, but I want to just worship you for a moment and just fill me, Lord. I just want to love you. I don't want to love ministry and all of the stuff that I'm involved in more than I love you. And we are in that trap. We've loved, we've become to love our activities for God more than we love God. That's why we are not motivated to spend time with him. We're more motivated to do stuff for him. That doesn't make you spiritual. I'm sorry. Bad news. Doing stuff for God does not make you spiritual. What makes you spiritual is the spirit of God. The spirit of God makes you spiritual beings. And the only way to get spiritual is to have the spirit of God flowing. And the only way to get that is to go to God. Let's worship him for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. We thank you, God. I want to be a spiritual person. And for that, I need your spirit, mighty God. I want you to say with me, let nothing interfere. Say it again. Let nothing interfere. Three powerful words. Let nothing, people, work, lists, career, job, school, let nothing interfere with your relationship and time with God. God, not activity, God. These three powerful words can change your entire life. Can change your Christian walk. It is the nucleus. Let nothing interfere with your relationship with God. Why? Your relationship with God is the core strength factor for your relationship with everybody else. You want to maintain a good relationship with people? Get them to like you instead of avoid you? Relationship with God. You know why? I'll just be nicer. If I've spent time with him, I'm going to be nicer to people. And people want to gravitate towards people who are just nice. But if you're irritable and angry and you're all the time, people don't want to get near you. And then your soul winning stuff, it's out of the window. It's dead in the water. And this truth establishes why Jesus was so definitive when he asked, when asked by the Pharisees, okay, well, Jesus, son of God, which is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. I cannot love my neighbor if I do not love God. If I love God and if I show that love and if I take time to be with that God, he's going to infuse me, baptize me with his love. And then I'm going to be able to generate that love to my neighbor and then my neighbor can connect with God. And the rest is history. The rest will happen. It will happen, you know. All of that work, that you, it will just fall into place and happen without you banging your head on the wall. How are we going to do this? What is the best way? 
The best way is you go back to God. Go back to the drawing board. Just sit. Let him infuse you. Everything else will fall into place like a beautiful picture, like a beautiful jigsaw puzzle. You know, you don't have to try to find missing pieces and trying to have 35,000 meetings for one event. Sorry. I was trapped under 35,000 meetings for one event myself. Prophets hang on these two commandments, he said, that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The entire process of transformational discipleship, the transformed persons, hinges on these truths. Abiding relationship with God must always take center stage. And then all other relationships are fed by that intimate abiding relationship with God. Let me tell you something. Rest is not lazy. You know why I know that? Fourth commandment is a commandment to rest. Remember the fourth commandment? The Sabbath. It's a commandment to rest. A lot of people in our culture especially, we are taught that rest is lazy. I mean, if you rest and rest and you're not getting involved and singing yourself wars or going out there and winning souls all the time and attending everything that you can attend to make a difference, then you're just lazy. You're not. No, if you're resting, I'm not talking about just sleeping your whole day off. You know, knocking yourself out and just sleeping. No, I'm talking about resting in God. If you're not resting in God, you're not going to be able to do that. I've already made that point. But rest is not lazy. According to the commandments, rest is holy. So I cannot say I'm a holy person unless I'm spending time with God. We've got the concept of holiness starts with the relationship with God. It is incredible how many people think themselves, you know, I'm, I'm holy and I'm separated, but, you know, and they are exhausted, tired, and angry as well. That brings a reproach on the concept of holiness. Because when the world sees you angry, irritated, and depressed, they're saying, your holiness? Oh, I don't think I want that. Holy is when you are like Jesus. That's holy. Jesus is holy. Because of the time he spent not trying to validate himself by his miracles. Because he always told the people, hey, the works that I do, I don't do it. The father that resides in me, he does the work. He never brought attention to his miracles. He just went about his way and he was full of his father's spirit and strength and and, and power. But he went about his way and he healed and he cast out demons and he fed the 5,000 and did a few miracles here and there. But he made sure he had boundaries with people. He told his disciples, I'm going to go and pray. I don't want you. Listen, I am actually taking time out right now. I know I'm the son of God, but I need to rest this flesh. Because if this flesh is going to be a channel through which the power of God can flow and make a difference in this world. If I'm going to be the salt shaker that will, that will flavor everything around me and bring life and taste then I'm going to have to get away from you guys. So get away. When are you going to get away? When are you going to just drop everything and run? Tonight would be a good start. Let's stand. Jesus knew one thing. His work did not validate him. Jesus validated, validates us. My identity in Christ validates me. I don't want to fall into the trap of a performance and identity approval kind of place. 
I'm only approved and accepted if I perform. That my, my performance and my identity is one. Wrong. Very wrong. Your identity is in Christ. Go back and see and, and, and try find yourself again in Him. So how do we find this water? And Brother Condon, as he leads us in worship, I just, I just want us to go for that water tonight. How do we find that water? What water can do for your body, Jesus can do for your soul. You need to aquify water. You need to aquify it. Lubricate what is, what is crusty and flush out what is rusty. And like water, like water, Jesus will go anywhere. Have you ever taken a bucket of water and thrown it on the ground? Every crack, the water will just flow where there's a crack. You don't have to tell the water where to go. Do you tell water where to go? Hey, hey, left. Turn right and go to that side. No, water's not going to listen to you. The water's just going to go where you throw it. That's where it's going to go. If there's, a, if there's an incline, the water will flow with that incline. If there's a little dent on the floor, the water will go there. It'll fill up and become a pool. If there's a crack, it'll fill that crack. So when you drink a glass of water, you don't have to tell the water, 50 drops to my scalp, 100 drops to my spleen, another 100 drops to my skin. You don't have to. When you drink water, the water will go. It knows where to go. Drink Jesus tonight. Jesus will know where to go. He will know which part of your heart needs him. Which part of your, it, it, is it your mind? Is it your thought life? Jesus knows where to go. All you got to do is drink him. Drink water. Drink it deep. God is calling you right now, people. So I want you to find a place up in front at the altar or where you're seated or against a wall in the foyer I don't care but go to Jesus run run to the Lord and drink from the river like water Jesus flows to your heart water goes water will go where you cannot go Jesus can take you to places where you cannot go by yourself you have tried it already don't you see you have tried to go on empty You're, you have tried to run run your life on empty you've got to go to the gas filling station and 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 get that power and strength that will take you that extra mile, that extra distance, so that you can forgive easier, that you can love deeper, that you can love more. Water. Water knows where to go, so does Jesus. In John 7 and 37, and I'm going to close with this as you pray. Jesus stood and shouted, if any man thirst, if you are thirsty, children, children, I love you. If you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Don't, don't go anywhere else. Don't, you don't have to read a magazine or a book or a textbook or a counseling book to get better. Come to me. 
that's what Jesus said. He who believes in me out of his belly, out of his innermost being, will flow living water.